Hello and welcome to Stories from Another Day, a Collingwood Museum podcast. I'm your host, Ken Mahar, and together we're on a journey to uncover the stories of the people and the events that make our town of Collingwood into the amazing place it is. This is episode number 19, and today's story is Black Sunday. scheduled programming to bring you the following news bulletin. The S.S. James Carruthers, Pride of the Lakes, launched only five months ago from the Collingwood shipyards, sunk off Godrich, now confirmed 24 men lost, two from Collingwood, watchman Bob Stone and wheelsman Joe Simpson. Stay tuned to this station for more news as it becomes available. The day is Wednesday, November the 12th, and the news is finally confirmed by the Canadian press. And that news was relentless in its grief and loss as the full weight of the tragedy became known. The Great Lakes Storm of 1913, historically referred to as the Big Blow or the White Hurricane or the Freshwater Fury, among other names, was a blizzard with hurricane-force winds that devastated the Great Lakes Basin from November the 7th through November the 10th, 1913. The storm was the most powerful on November the 9th, battering and overturning ships on four of the five Great Lakes. But Lake Huron was particularly hard hit. It's just in. It is now confirmed the SS Regina wrecked at Point Edward. Twenty lives lost, including second mate Tom Doyle of Collingwood. So what had happened? As an author on the U.S. GenNet Great Lakes Maritime History website describes it, on Sunday, November the 9th, after two days of fierce storms, The low-pressure area was moving away from the lakes, and in many places the snow had ended and the barometer was rising. Boats across the Great Lakes quickly left port and ventured out into the calming waters. Most people would have believed that the storm had all but blown itself out. And the Great Lakes captains knew that, well, you can't make money by hiding in port whenever the weather turns a little ugly. So late in the season, there were only a few good days of sailing left. But as the ships across the lakes left their respective ports, they had no idea they were about to encounter the deadliest storm in the entire history of Great Lakes navigation. Sources this afternoon reporting the S.S. Wexford foundered and sunk off St. Joseph Island taking Captain Bruce Cameron, a local hockey hero, and seven other Collingwood Mariners with her. 
among them Chief Engineer Jim Scott, Watchman Oren Gordon, Second Mate Archie Brooks, Steward George Wilmot, and his wife, Stewardess Grace Wilmot. Again, from the U.S. GenNet website, what wasn't known at the time the Great Lakes shipping resumed was that a second low-pressure system had formed overnight away to the south. Reports of it were missed by the early morning weather report, and by the time the evening report went out, the storm had had a full day to build. The barometers plummeted as the storm intensified to hurricane proportions. Its winds shrieked as the monster pounced, raking its icy claws the full length of Lake Huron. Hurricane-strength winds of 140 kilometers an hour drove blinding snow and sleet, piling waves into devastating black walls of water nearly 40 feet high. These mountains of moving water mauled vessels and shorelines indiscriminately. Giant freighters were coated with sheets of ice and hurled up on rocks or land as if they were bathtub toys. Deafening winds screaming from one direction while mountain-sized waves smashed at them from another. The SS Leefield, down with all hands just outside of the Sioux. Seventeen Collingwood men among the dead. Captain Charlie Baker, Chief Engineer Andy Kerr, First Mate Alf Northcott, Assistant Engineer Tom Bowie, Second Mate Fred Bagley, Stewards Robert and Lorne Sheffield, Brothers, Firemen Charles Brown and John Monroe, Wheelsmen John Barrett, Watchman Bob Robinson and George Pierce, Deckhands Billy Shakespeare, Bob Whitelaw, Ovilia Pateau, and Mike Tierney. And so, the terrible news just kept coming again and again pounding in and shattering homes and families as sure as the waves had devastated all those vessels. Yet even in the overwhelming grief of that day, there was some good news to come. Captain W.C. Jordan of Collingwood drove his ship, the S.S. France, into the teeth of the storm and somehow managed to pull into Collingwood Harbor two days overdue and badly battered, but he was still afloat, and all the crew was accounted for. Jim McCutcheon, first mate on the Wexford, happened to be on shore in Detroit, sending a money order home when he was delayed and late in getting back to the ship. That ship left port without him, and it saved his life. Analysis of the storm, after the fact, and its full impact, helped to lead to better forecasting, faster responses to storm warnings, and stronger construction, especially of marine vessels, and an overall improved preparedness among the Great Lake towns. The deadliest and most destructive natural disaster to hit the lakes in recorded history, the Great Lakes storm of 1913 killed 
more than 250 people. It destroyed 19 ships, stranded 19 others. The financial loss in vessels alone was nearly $5 million, and that included about $1 million in lost cargo, totaling over 68,000 tons. But just ask anyone in Collingwood what the real loss was, and they could give you name after name after name. Of the 27 Collingwood men lost, only five bodies were ever recovered to be brought home and laid to rest. The others were taken by the waters they had so long worked. Schools, stores, and factories all closed down for the mass funerals held a week after the storm. And the cost this town would bear meant that it would be a long time before any family here in Collingwood could look at the water or listen to the howling of a winter storm in the same way again. So the picture that we chose to go along with today's episode is from the launch of the James Carruthers only five short months before she went down in that terrible storm. Known as the pride of the lakes, it was certainly a tough blow to those who had built and invested in her. But the real pride of the lakes are the hard-working men and women who made their living in these often dangerous conditions. And it was because of that pride that those who lost their lives were memorialized in a very special window, which is still to this day available to be seen in All Saints Anglican Church. If you join them for their worship one Sunday, you'll be able to have a look, or if you call them up and nicely ask, I'm sure they would welcome the opportunity to show you. And while you're there, you can see another memorial window to one Nurse Ethel May Dawson, the subject of our museum's entry into the Sumac March Madness competition. If you haven't had a chance to see the videos, head on over to our Facebook page. Hers is a truly fascinating story for another day. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening. We love any feedback you have to give us. Questions or comments can be sent via email to museum at collingwood.ca or you can leave us an audio message on our podcast homepage. That's anchor.fm forward slash Stories. Along with any listener comments or questions, we'd love for your ideas as to what stories you think we should be telling. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you again so much for listening, and please join us again for more stories from another day. <laughs>